Good morning, this is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. Fordham University begins a year-long 175th anniversary celebration. Today I'm joined by Fordham University President Father Joseph McShane and also the Associate Vice President for Development and University Events, Liz Manigan. We'll discuss the school's history, how its mission of service has reached beyond the university, and whether some of the school's folklore is actually true. And speaking of that folklore, Father McShane, is Fordham haunted? Well, there are a few spots on campus uh, that are reputed to be haunted. One of them would be in Queens Court and St. John's Hall. Uh, We have, with fair regularity, received reports of students encountering a young Jesuit from around the time of the Civil War. And then in Duane Library, we have reports of an older Jesuit appearing to help students with their Latin and Greek homework. (laughs) So we know those two. Then the the students have other stories, but... uh, uh, I don't think that uh, Finley is haunted. It was the med school, and there was a morgue there, and the students think it's haunted, but I don't think so. And Keating, uh, they continue to believe that uh, Keating has some ghosts as well. But I, <clears throat> I think that the two that I've mentioned are the only ones that uh, that we uh, are aware of that have a history. Liz, ever bump into any in the night or early day? <laughs> luckily, no, I haven't. Right, luckily. They're very friendly, both of them. <laughs> okay. Well, they're helping their <laughs> students, you know. That's great. They're helping them with their homework. Um, so we can get into a little folklore later. I'd like to get into the school's mission of service. How has the university's foundation of service evolved over the past 175 years? Well, the original uh, desire that our founder, Archbishop Hughes, had was to found a a college which would enable the sons and daughters of immigrants and immigrants themselves break out of the cycle of poverty that kept them away from uh, any hope of achieving the American dream. So at our very foundational moment, uh, we were all about serving and serving in a special way, outsiders, newcomers, new Americans. And uh, we really have never deviated from that, but we have enriched it over time. For instance, Uh, The School of Education and the School of Social Service, both founded uh, 100 years ago in 1916. They were founded uh, in response to the felt need of the people of the city of New York for improvements in the way in which the most marginalized of society were taken care of. And therefore, in conjunction with or cooperation with the Catholic Charities Office in the Archdiocese of New York, the Graduate School of Social Service was founded. Uh, and the Graduate School of Education was founded again as a response to the need to professionalize education uh, and to make education at the primary and secondary school levels more available to students uh, in the inner cities, uh, the neighborhoods of New York at the time. Uh, in addition to that, our law school uh, was founded in response to a felt need. What we see in the evolution of Fordham service to the city is Once there is an expressed need that comes to the attention of the university, the university responds. And so the university is always evolving on the basis of uh, requests that are received, felt needs, uh, and the emerging uh, desires of the American heart for improvements in life and especially life for those who are most marginalized. So what type of reach has the university had? You mentioned it's had some reach beyond the campus or even the city of New York. So what type of reach has this been? Well, in the uh, if you just take the two schools I mentioned, um, Fordham's Graduate School of Education has educated generations of teachers in both public and parochial school systems in the city of New York and beyond. Uh, 
uh, and has a great, great record of service in that area. One of the most recent chancellors of uh, schools in the city of New York said that when he wants um, white papers, he goes to Columbia Teachers College. When he wants doers, he comes to Fordham. Hmm. And uh, so we've had you know, a great history of educating educators, and not just, by the way, at the primary and secondary levels. Fordham, for many years, was the, the mother of presidents because we had more Fordham graduates serve as presidents of colleges and universities in the United States than any other, any other university. So the outreach and the impact of Fordham on all levels of education has been broad and deep. If you look at the Graduate School of, of Social Service, not only have we educated generations of social workers, but we've also educated men and women who are real masters of policy. And so they've worked both at the city and the state and the national levels to make sure that policies are created which respond to social needs as those needs emerge. The School of Law, the same. Uh, we've educated uh, generations of great, very competent lawyers uh, who work in the legal capital of the United States. There's more legal transactions, more legal business done here in New York than elsewhere. So we've educated generations of very, very talented, uh, skilled, and uh, honest lawyers. But the School of Law has also, through its various uh, journals, the Law Review and the Urban Law Journal and so on, uh, has had an impact on the way in which lawyers and uh, legal professors and researchers nationwide and internationally the way in which they think about uh, major issues. Um, Can you give me an example, Father McShane? Well, uh, I think the the, the urban uh, law journal has had uh, a great impact on the way in which legislation has been framed to make sure that desegregation goes forward. We also look at uh, problems of poverty, and our both our faculty members in the law school and then graduates of the law school have worked on those, both you know in the city and then up in, in Albany and on the national level as well. And then you go beyond that into what do the graduates of our liberal arts colleges do? They've had a tremendous impact. Right now we have in our alumni base that writer who is generally said to be the finest novelist uh, who is active uh, right now in the United States, and that's Don DeLillo. So he has an impact there uh, through the work that he's done. We also have educated uh, men and women of extraordinary talent. I look at Mary Higgins Clark, another novelist. Uh, and then this year, if you saw Bridge of Spies, you saw that James B. Donovan, who was a double ram, had an impact on uh, international relations during the Cold War uh, and succeeded so nobly in what he did uh, to achieve the release or affect the release of Gary Powers that the United States government then turned to him to seek uh, the release of prisoners in Cuba. He's a member of the class of uh, 37, the same class, by the way, that had Vince Lombardi and Wellington Mara in it. I jokingly say to our alumni, I'd like to know what they had in the orange juice that year, <laughs> that we would have three such extraordinary people in the same, same class. And then if you go beyond that, let me just go to Vince Lombardi, who is probably our most famous alumnus, Vince was the man who really defined character and sought to produce athletes of character in the NFL. Therefore, it's not at all surprising that the Super Bowl trophy is named for him and not for anybody else. And uh, I jokingly, again, say to our alumni, the only constant 
in the winner's circle or on the winner's podium at uh, the Super Bowl is Fordham. We win every year because Vince Lombardi's name is there. Teams come and go, cities are recognized and then fall away, but Vince Lombardi is always there, and Vince Lombardi stood for and continues to stand for integrity and fair play. Uh, he was also a man uh, who was a great advocate for his players and who had utterly no patience with any sort of racial uh, injustice or inequality. So we talked a little bit about how important the alumni of Fordham is. How do you keep them all connected? Liz, do you have any ideas on how the school keeps everyone connected, all the alumni? We do a great deal of work uh, through our, our marketing and communications unit and also through our, our events unit to keep our, our alumni and our friends uh, very much involved in the life of the university. And as we're celebrating the 175th year, it was very important to get the communications out very quickly and, and very uh, comprehensively. So if you, if you check out the website, we have a, a very a, a wonderful presence there that also includes a Time, historical timeline of the university, as well as a listing of, of the events that will take place during this Dodron's bicentennial year. We send uh, e-communications out to our alumni on a monthly basis, and that will be stepped up when we have some special occasions. Do you know if there are more alumni in and around the New York City area, or have they kind of branched out more? We, other states? We know that they're all around the country and certainly all around the world, and our alumni relations folks are, are wonderful in, in mining that information and finding those people and introducing Father McShane to these groups or like around the country and around the world. But a great majority of our, um, our alumni are here. And and, and and quite easy to, to get in touch with and get involved. And, and it's not just about coming to a party. It's also about giving them access to um, our students, which they love, and uh, pr providing opportunities for them to come in and, you know, mentor students, teach classes, you know, really, really get into the, the process, help us with our um, some admissions outreach. Father McShane, you recently appointed a diversity task force to study the climate of the university. So how is the college addressing these issues of, of inclusion and diversity? I'm glad you asked that question, Robin. It just so happens that over the weekend, uh, I received the first draft of the report of the task force uh, from Dr. Peter Vaughn, who is uh, the past dean of uh, the Graduate School of Social Service. And I know that one of the things that uh, is going to come up is you know how do we um, how do we recruit better? How do we retain better? How do we uh, help our faculty to be more and more mentors to African American and Latino students, and also to Muslim students and Asian students? Um, that was a, a a felt need that uh, our faculty brought to us. That they are completely on board with our commitment to increasing not only Fordham's diversity, but our efforts to create a more welcoming and affirming community. They're completely on board, but they want more more help, more assistance uh, in making them better at the work that they want to do and that the university is committed to. So there's education there. Second, with our uh, student affairs uh, operation, the same request. How can we do better? So we are now looking at different ways that we can systematically not just address the problem, the problem, but the ways in which we can systematically change the climate and the culture of the institution.
This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon. Today I'm joined by Fordham University President Father Joseph McShane and Liz Manigan, Associate Vice President for Development and University Events. We're discussing the school's history, its mission of service, some folklore, and the beginning of a year-long 175th anniversary celebration for Fordham University. Now to branch this out from just inside the university, what's Fordham's relationship to the Bronx, which uh, the Rose Hill campus is located in the Bronx, and how has that evolved over the past years? Well, I like to say that uh, the Rose Hill campus has never moved, but has been in three counties. When we were founded, we were in Westchester County. Then around, eight, not around, in 1898, we became part of New York County, which is basically Manhattan. And then in 1914, when the Bronx, the youngest borough and the youngest county in the state was created, we became part of the Bronx. So we have never moved. Uh, in the early years, uh, the Bronx was very bucolic. Uh, the students who came here were mostly resident students because of the nature of, of the city and the region at the time. But then as the city grew, uh, the Bronx campus became uh, a campus in very focused service to the people in the neighborhoods of the Bronx. My father, for instance, uh, was a Manhattanite and remained a Manhattanite all his life, but he lived in that part of Manhattan, which is, oddly enough, the only part of Manhattan on the mainland, Marble Hill. He, like everybody else around his time almost, uh, was a commuter. My brothers were commuters, uh, and we drew heavily from the neighborhoods in the Bronx and then beyond the Bronx into Manhattan and the other uh, of the boroughs. So our service from the beginning has been very attentive to and shaped by the Bronx experience or the urban experience of the city of New York. When the Bronx began to uh, change and change demographically pretty dramatically in the 50s, 60s, and into the early 70s, Fordham was an institution in the, the forefront uh, of, of response to that. Uh, we were one of the founding members, institutional members, of the Northwest Bronx Clergy Coalition, which was a group of, of clergy and parish groups in the North Bronx that was really trying to get on top of uh, the challenges and respond to the challenges of the people who lived in the neighborhoods right around the Rose Hill campus. As part of the, the work that we did through the Northwest Bronx Clergy Coalition, which is now the Northwest Bronx Coalition, um, we began more and more to make sure that our students uh, became more available for service to the people of the Bronx. Uh, our sociology department uh, became very involved with the Bronx, especially with the Puerto Rican community in the Bronx. One of the, uh, the key figures in that was Father Joe Fitzpatrick, uh, who really reimagined the way in which sociology should be done in an urban setting. So he dug in, and he became very active in it. Uh, on top of all of this, we for many years now have had a program for uh, schools in the South Bronx, uh, Catholic schools in the South Bronx, to train up their faculty and their staff so that they are, of, of great, they are greater in their effectiveness of service to the students uh, that they have in the classrooms uh, in front of them. And all of this activity continues. And we know that um, Fordham University wasn't always called Fordham University, especially <laughs> in the very beginning. So how did Fordham and why did Fordham have a name change? <laughs> well, as you know, uh, Robin, you just tipped your hat on this or your hand <laughs> on this one. 
uh, when we were founded uh, on June 24th, 1841, uh, we were called St. John's College. And there's a story there. We were founded by Archbishop John Hughes, whose patron saint was St. John the Baptist, and whose birthday fell on the feast of St. John the Baptist. And so he named us St. John's College. We continued to be called St. John's College until 1907 when we sought a charter change uh, from Albany, and we became Fordham University. Now, part of the reason, there are two things going on here. One, we had ceased to be simply an undergraduate operation. Uh, At the turn of the 20th century, we had begun to offer graduate education. We had the schools of business, uh, not of business, of law and medicine founded. And uh, in order to recognize that change, we went from collegiate to university status. That's one reason. The second is there was another institution in the city of New York that had the name St. John's. And they were located at the time in Brooklyn, and they were not about to give it up. Uh, So we changed to Fordham, which was the name of the village, town, now neighborhood in which we are located. Um, Which also wasn't technically the Bronx at this time. (laughs) No, it was New York County at the time. Very good, Robin. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, And uh, uh, wonderfully or oddly enough, uh, we retained the name St. John's College for the undergraduate liberal arts college at Rose Hill until uh, November, December of 1931. And it was only then that the name was changed to Fordham College. Now, keeping with the focus of, of history, Father McShane, mm-hmm. um, in the <clears throat> 60s, and you, you touched on it a little bit, Fordham expanded uh, into Manhattan with the Lincoln Center campus. So why did the school choose to build an entirely new campus just a few miles away? Well, actually, we had been in Manhattan for uh, a number of decades. We were down in lower Manhattan for a long time. And uh, then we, we bought a building at 302 Broadway, which is now where the Javits uh, Federal Building is located. And it was the Vincent Building, and we gathered all of our in-town schools there, except for Grad Social Service, which operated on the east side, East 39th Street, I believe, in a townhouse. Uh, But we had an undergraduate school of business. We had an undergraduate school of education. uh, And then we had uh, the School of Law. And many operations were going on down there. And in the 50s, it became clear that this was fairly chaotic and the, the uh, space that we had down on Lower Broadway was simply inadequate. And so Father McGinley decided that we should gather all the schools of Manhattan into one place. And uh, so he went to uh, Robert Moses, uh, who was really the planning czar for the city, uh, and uh, he asked him for a couple of floors of space in the New York Coliseum which at the time was new, was located uh, on Columbus Circle on the spot which is now occupied by the Time Warner Center. And in the course of their conversation, uh, Mr. Moses convinced Father McGinley that he didn't want space in the Coliseum. Uh, rather, he said, why don't you become part of this urban renewal project that we, that we are about in the city over at Lincoln Square? And Father McGinley didn't know what a, an urban renewal project was. <laughs> so he was brought over and shown the space. And this was, uh, this was an area that had been slated for urban renewal. Uh, and uh, all the residents had been moved out. And it served as backdrop, by the way, for the outdoor scenes for West Side Story after everybody had been removed from the buildings. The buildings were really very, very um, 
inadequate. They were um, they were slums. Mm-hmm. There would be floors with only one bathroom, and people would share uh, and multiple and multiple people living there. Right, and so uh, Mr. Moses offered him uh, seven and a half acres. And Father McGinley came home, wrote in his diary, it was the first time in his life he had ever heard uh, real estate in New York referred to in terms of acres. <laughs> Um, so we bought the property and became a part of the Lincoln Center Urban Redevelopment Project. As a result of that, we're the only institution aside from the culturals, so the Philharmonic, the Met, Juilliard, uh, the Beaumont, uh, and so on, the only one that can use at Lincoln Center as a technical part of its name. So it's Fordham College at Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. Now, Father McShane, uh, we're talking a little about Fordham's history, and you're giving us a fun uh, history lesson here. Writer and poet Edgar Allan Poe was a friend of Fordham Mm -hmm. back when it was called St. John's. How did this relationship develop, and how friendly was he here? Uh, The relationship developed because uh, Poe lived uh, on what is now the Grand Concourse and Boulevard, which is just a, a short walk away from the Rose Hill campus. And he used to come down, uh, you know, in the evenings, and he would spend time here on the campus. He got to know the Jesuits pretty well. And uh, he'd play cards with the Jesuits and, uh, you know, get into long and good conversations. One of the Jesuits afterwards, when Poe had died and people were saying what a, uh, a wild life he had had or this and that, one of the Jesuits came to his defense. He said he was a fine man and they had great conversations. Poe, for his part, said he loved spending time with the Jesuits. Uh, And so they had a warm relationship. And uh, the bell in the university church was said to have, because it would be rung early at 6 in the morning, uh, it would drive him nuts. And (laughs) so the university church bell was said to be the bell that inspired him to write the poem, The Bells. It seems like some of the buildings on Fordham's campus in the Bronx have this very gothic, mm-hmm. medieval look. And because of that, there were a number of famous movies that have been filmed here at Fordham. Can you name some of the more popular ones? There were a lot. Well, you have Wall Street 2 mm-hmm. uh, was done here. Uh, then there was a Matt Damon film, a Matt Damon film that uh, President Obama thought was the most, un- most forgettable film he had ever seen. The, inf- not the, inf- the Adjustment the, Bureau. The, the Adjustment Bureau. Uh, Thanks, Liz. <laughs> very good. The verdict. Part of uh, The Exorcist was filmed here. Uh, Quiz Show was filmed Part here. Part of The Exorcist yes. was filmed here. Part of The Exorcist. Quiz Show was filmed here. And parts of Love Story were filmed here. We also appear constantly in commercials. So we're kind of... And then, of course, there was the appearance of you 2 That's right. Which That's right. was the result of the fact that... Uh, U2 was releasing a new album. They wanted to get a new generation of uh, people in their audience, and they wanted it to be in New York because they wanted to hit the late-night shows and early-morning shows, and they wanted to just be visible. And so their advanced team went out, and they looked at a couple of other places. I won't mention the names. Because it doesn't matter because we got them. Right. <laughs> and they, they got to Edwards Parade, and uh, Keating Hall and said, stop. This is the place. It's the perfect uh, the perfect setting. Backdrop is right out of what Hollywood thinks, a, a university or college Because it looks like a giant castle. Right. And uh, so the look is, is spectacular. Um, the location is great. They could not have been nicer, uh, all of them. Bono of nice and uh, The Edge, all of them were 
were really very, very nice. And they were thrilled with our kids. And, uh, you know, we haven't said anything about the kids, the students. And I, I have to say, our students are extraordinary. And I know people say, well, he's the president. He's got to say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> our students, uh, you know, are very smart. Uh, one of our graduates would say that our students were all PhDs, poor, hungry, and driven. Not all of them <laughs> are PhDs, but all of them are smart. Uh, they're in a very competitive school in the most competitive city on the face of the earth. And yet, there is no cutthroat uh, activity among them. They watch out for one another. They support one another. They brag about one another. That's one of the reasons why a number of the students I spoke with said they came to Fordham, because there was a togetherness. There was a one helping the other, as right. opposed to like that com competitiveness of you know one trying to outdo the other. Correct. Our kids have a great. They have a gift for friendship, a genius for loyalty, and uh, they watch out for one another. And I, I say to them when they arrive that I want them to be bothered all their lives. And part of the culture of Fordham is a culture of attentiveness and critical attentiveness to world affairs, world events, to injustice. And To they, be bothered by injustice enough to want to motivate you. And to do something. It's mm -hmm. not just enough to talk about it, not just enough to be aware of it. So our students, they're bothered and they respond from the heart. Each year, our students give over a million hours to community service because it's who they are. We have the most remarkable student body. I brag about them all the time. And for our non-Catholic listeners, what is a Jesuit? And how is that different than a Catholic? We are a subset of, you know, we're an order within the church. So people will say Catholic, yes, Jesuit, is it Catholic or is it Jesuit? We're both. To be okay. Catholic, to be Jesuit means to be Catholic. To be Catholic doesn't necessarily mean to be Jesuit. There are only 16,000 of us in the world. Gotcha. And, and during Fordham's anniversary celebration, there's also going to be celebrations for Fordham's three graduate schools of arts and science, education, and social service. So what type of celebrations can we expect? Liz, what do you say? We are having, uh, well, each of the schools will uh, are coming up with their own celebrations, but one part of each of the school celebration will be to host a Sapientia e Doctrina lecture or panel discussion. And that, that translates to, it's, Thank it's you. part of our motto, it translates to wisdom and learning and um, experiencing the life of the mind. So these are, these are important events that we'll be, we'll be hosting throughout the year. There'll be six of them. Uh, one will be hosted by our Center on Religion and Culture, and the kickoff event will be hosted by um, Monsignor Thomas Shelley, and it'll be entitled Fordham University Made in New York. And Monsignor Shelley just completed and published the newest history of Fordham University, and I sent you a copy of that nice big book, and it sounds like you read some of it before this interview, which is, I did. Which is wonderful. <laughs> so that that's part of it. Uh, some other uh, Dodrens events you know, will include, we'll also have six Sunday night masses uh, where we'll, we'll, we will um, welcome 
some noted uh, bishops, an archbishop, and a cardinal. And it started, the whole celebration started in June, and it's going to run to? June 24th. June 24th. So throughout the year. Uh, We have a fall opening celebration where we'll go back to St. Patrick's Cathedral. But in this case, we we won't be in the the smaller lady chapel. We have uh, 800 seats up front, and we'll be welcoming the, the Fordham University community and our alumni. And that will be, it'll be a very, very special evening, and Cardinal Dolan is presiding. You know, on the, uh, the Cardinal being the celebrant and preacher. Preacher. He's going to preach as yes, well. Yes. Uh, you asked before about service. You know, Fordham has in its history eight cardinals. Uh, so service to the church is very big. Many, many bishops, but eight cardinals. We also have two other cardinals who are not in the College of Cardinals. One is Frankie Frisch, who played for the St. Louis Cardinals, and the other was John Skelton, who played for the Phoenix Cardinals. But So we have ten, <laughs> if you include them, but we have eight church cardinals. Go ahead and include them. Well, we'll say ten. And the other, the other is, and this always throws, it impresses and throws people from the service academies for a loop, Fordham has five Medal of Honor recipients, mm. which is very, very unusual for a school our size that has an ROTC program but is not one of the service academies. So are there any athletic events that are, are taking place? In point of fact, yes, and I'm going to ask Liz to say a word or two about Fordham's return to Yankee Stadium for football, something we used to do in the old days. So on November 12th, the football team will play at Yankee Stadium against Holy Cross, and this is called the Crusader Cup. So we're taking over Yankee Stadium. We're very, very excited. Uh, tickets are certainly still available, and and you can go to Fordham.edu and, and get those and get all the information. It'll be a, a great, festive, historic day. Tell me again, Liz, where, where can we find more information about all the events that are happening for Fordham University's 175th anniversary celebration? Fordham.edu. Absolutely. Everything. And click on the Dodrins page. Click on the Dodrins page. page. Absolutely. <laughs> Everything is, is right there. Made it very, very easy. I'd like to thank my guest, Father Joseph McShane, President of Fordham University, and Liz Manigan, Associate Vice President for Development and University Events. I'd also like to thank my producer, Kyle McKee. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.